The Illusion of Division. What is happening at the Columbia School of Social Work? And Harvard's Claudine Gay uses free speech as a defense after a history of squelching it. Welcome to Fair News Weekly. To read all of the articles discussed in this podcast, please visit this podcast's episode description. Dear Friends of Fair, we're about to enter what is likely to be a very intense year. With the upcoming presidential election and our current political climate following the October 7th attack on Israel, people are poised to be more divided than ever. Here at Fair, we are determined to stick to our principles and continue calling for a common culture based on fairness, understanding, and humanity, no matter how strongly we all hold our beliefs. While it may be tempting this holiday season to get into heated political discussions with family, friends, or coworkers, we should instead lean into what unites us. We are all trying our best to make sense of a messy, unforgiving world, which can look even messier through the lens of social media. It is up to us to live our daily lives by the principles of FAIR's pro-human message, even when it's hard. Nobody wakes up each day wondering how they might make the world a worse place, and most of us come by our positions and beliefs honestly. The more we lean into that truth, the better we are able to understand those around us who might seem to, at times, be speaking a different language. Our holiday season message is this. Give people grace. Allow people to make mistakes. To say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And be willing to admit the same when you realize you might have misstepped. Ultimately, there is far more that unites us than divides us. And we are at a point in history where every act of humility and charity brings us one step closer to healing our divided society. We are so grateful for your continued support. We will not relent in our efforts to promote civil rights and liberties for all in the upcoming year. We hope you will join us. Warmly, the team at the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. For his Substack, The Weekly Dish, Fair Advisor Andrew Sullivan wrote about how the December 5th congressional hearings on campus anti-Semitism only underscored what many people already believe is the path to saving higher education. Sullivan writes, End DEI in its entirety. Fire all the administrators whose only job is to enforce its toxic orthodoxy. Admit students on academic merit alone. Save standardized testing, which in fact helps minorities. And it's best way to distinguish smart poor kids from stupid rich kids, as Steven Pinker said this week. Restore grading so that it actually means something again. Expel students who shut or shout down speech or deplatform speakers. Pay no attention to the race or sex or orientation or gender identity of your students. And see them as free human beings with open minds. Treat them equally as individuals seeking to learn, if you can remember such a concept. For the free press, Fair Advisor Jonathan Haidt examines the serious problems facing boys and men today. He states, Boys are in trouble. Many have withdrawn from the real world, where they could develop the skills needed to become competent, successful, and loving men. Instead, many have been lured into an ever more appealing virtual world in which desires for adventure and for sex can be satisfied, at least superficially, without doing anything that would prepare them for later success in work, love, and marriage. For the New York Times, Pamela Paul wrote about the ideological takeover of the Columbia School of Social Work. 
Paul writes, Social work education has always been tied to social justice, said Amy Worman, who graduated from the Columbia School of Social Work in 1982 and has been teaching clinical and research courses there since 2009, full-time since 2015. But in the past few years, she said, the student body has become more radical. Quote, Many students see themselves as social justice warriors, and protesting is the litmus test of being a real social worker, she told me. She said she couldn't remember a single protest at the school when she was a student. Now, she said, I feel it's a rite of passage. For braver angels, frequent fair Substack contributor Julian Adorni shares three ways to diffuse tension. One, when you're talking politics and things get heated, stay non-reactive. Two, focus on the relationship. And three, unplug from cable news and political fundraising emails. Further, he states, I'm a libertarian, and I've spent my whole life surrounded by people who disagree with me politically. Most of these people, like me when I was younger, live in something of a bubble and are convinced that theirs is the only right and moral way to see the world. If you disagree, they think, you might be a bad person. In spite of that, I've managed to keep and even deepen relationships with folks who were at various times tempted to cut me out of their life. I've even helped a few of them become less effectively polarized. Here's what I've learned along the way. For The Atlantic, the identity trap, author Yasha Monk gave his reaction to the December 5th congressional hearings on campus anti-Semitism. Monk says, Many people who were rightly horrified by the congressional hearings faulted Kornbluth, McGill, and Gay for refusing to say they would punish students for expressing this kind of abhorrent sentiment. But that is overly simple. In a narrow technical sense, the three presidents were correct to state that their current policies would probably not penalize offensive political speech. In a more substantive sense, universities should defend a very broad definition of academic freedom, one that shields students and faculty members from punishment for expressing a political opinion, no matter how abhorrent. The real problem was that none of these university leaders made a clear, coherent case for their institution's values. So when they did invoke academic freedom, they came across as insincere or hypocritical, an impression only reinforced by their record of failing to stand up for those on their campus who have come under fire for controversial speech in the past. For FAIR's Substack, Leanne O'Neill and Grayson Slover wrote about how recent educational trends focusing on anti-racism have led to practices that overtly treat students differently simply on the basis of their ethnicity or skin color. They write, Teachers and administrators may convince themselves they are doing right by students when they create segregated opportunities for them or emphasize their skin color as paramount to their individuality. They might even find studies or statistics to support their reasons for doing so. But ultimately, none of that matters. As it stands now, and has for a very long time in our country, separate can never be equal, and schools that create or allow racially hostile environments to persist are breaking the law. For the New York Post, Fair Board member Angel Eduardo and Connor Murnane wrote about the hypocrisy of Claudine Gay, using free speech grounds to defend anti-Israel protests on campus. Together, they state... Regardless of Gay's future, the path back to public respectability for Harvard is clear. Consistently defend free expression for all. 
To do this, it must first review campus policies and reform speech-restrictive codes so they can respect the individual rights of students and faculty. It should also adopt a strong institutional commitment to free speech, such as the Chicago Statement on Freedom of Expression. This will ensure Gay's stated adherence to open inquiry, freedom of expression, and robust debate are more than just talk. Perhaps most important, Harvard must commit to institutional neutrality. As colleges are increasingly called upon to take positions on current issues, the Calvin Report reminds us colleges are not critics, but rather the home and sponsor of critics. For Discourse, FAIR's executive director, Monica Harris, spoke with Ben Klutzy about her decision to move from California to Montana, the system, and the misleading nature of labels and more. Harris states, I've given a lot of thought to this, Ben, and I've been thinking more that the reason this is happening is because DEI emphasizes what divides us instead of what unites us. It casts all of our relationships into this oppressed, oppressor, victim, victimizer categories. It convinces us that if we're not in an identity group, then we can't relate to or understand the experiences of people in that identity group, and that there will forever be these walls between us. It teaches us that white people are inherently racist and that racism is an intractable element in American society. It teaches our youth that fundamental American values like freedom of speech, academic freedom, meritocracy, punctuality, those are all tools of white supremacy. For Quillette, FAIR advisor Stella O'Malley and Sasha Ide wrote about their new book, which explains how parents can help gender-distressed children who've come to believe they are born in the wrong body. They write, For those parents, our message is, you can do this. You are the adults who are most deeply invested in your child's flourishing. You have the widest perspective on his or her future potential and past difficulties. The advice that follows, based on experience we've accumulated helping families cope with this phenomenon, will help you get started on developing an authoritative, loving stance toward your gender-distressed child. For Free Black Thought, Connie Morgan offers her list of the best books to give young children this holiday season. Morgan says, While I don't believe a boardroom needs to have quotas of black or Asian or white people to be moral and effective, I do love that humans come in a variety of colors. I love admiring art as an outgrowth of different cultures. I love learning about ethnic traditions different than mine. I love listening to other languages, even if I don't understand them. And yes, sometimes diversity is good simply for diversity's sake. I want my kids to know some people have darker skin tones and some people have lighter skin tones, just as I want them to know some people have big feet and some people are very short and some people have freckles and some people have dimples. Appreciating the variety in mankind is admiring the creativity of God. Standing up to racial discrimination and ideological orthodoxy on campus. Join Fair Legal on Tuesday, January 16th at 6 p.m. Eastern for this next installment of our Legal Case Updates webinar series, where we bring you the updates on the legal cases that Fair is supporting. For this upcoming webinar, we are thrilled to be joined by Dr. Zach DePiero, a former professor at Penn State University, and his counsel, FAIR Network attorney Michael Allen. Register now for this webinar with the link in the description. Watch FAIR and Medicine's most recent webinar featuring special guest moderator Leslie Elliott with Sasha Ide, Lisa Marciano, and Stella O'Malley for a discussion of their new book, When Kids Say They're Trans, A Guide for Thoughtful Parents. 
hear about their experiences as professionals working in the field and their specific advice for parents with gender-questioning children who do not believe that hasty medical intervention is the best path forward. Watch now with the link below. Tune in now on FAIR's YouTube channel with their new webinar, Anti-Semitism on Campus, Balancing Student Safety and Civil Liberties, featuring panelists Nadine Strassen, Jeffrey Lax, and Sahar Tartak. Moderated by FAIR advisor Jonathan Kay. Watch now with the link in the description. We want the FAIR Substack to be the go-to publication for diverse perspectives on culture and civil rights. Whether you're a seasoned author or an amateur writer with a story that can contribute to our mission of promoting fairness, understanding, and humanity, we would love to receive your stories, opinions, investigations, reviews, interviews, and more. Please send your piece to submissions at fairforall.org. We hope to hear from you. Finally, if you liked this podcast, subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a rating and review. Make sure to check out our newsletter and weekly roundup to read more into any of this week's stories, or visit the episode description. Donations are always welcome at fairforall.org slash donate.